0: Um, good morning, once again, church. Happy Church on the Farm Day! Uh, what a joy uh, to be together. This is so cool. Um, so and literally so cool. I mean, how about this weather? It is beautiful and super grateful for that. With how hot it's been all week, and uh, yeah, praise. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, this would have been a whole a whole different thing if it was yeah 105 degrees in here with the humidity. So uh, that is a blessing. Um, Also, I want to just extend my thanks to the the whole McCorkle family. Uh, Specifically, as you guys, uh, many of you know, uh, Jeff's having some uh, health issues right now. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, called, uh, talked to Susie and just said, (laughs) We had this on the schedule. It's like, we don't have to do this. I mean, you guys have a lot going on right now. and just wasn't even a question. I said, no, nope, we're doing it. And, uh, and so just so grateful to them uh, for hosting us. And just what a special day. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you stick around for lunch and all the things, if you're able to, all the things afterwards. It's just uh, such a fun time and just a great time to get to know other people in our church. As well, We're going to continue in worship right now, so let's uh, do that by turning in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 to 16, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. This morning we're going to continue our conversation about what the church is all about. We started this conversation last week. And uh, some of you uh, might be here this morning who are just new to the church completely and uh, just, you know, hey, maybe your neighbor invited you, maybe you just heard this was going on. He say, I want to check out what is church on the farm all about, what is the church all about. And uh, let me just say we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us uh, this morning. What you have stumbled into in this barn is actually uh, pretty simple. Uh, When you think about it, we are just very simply a group of people who have had our lives completely changed by Jesus. And now we are trying our best. We fail quite often, but we're trying our best as people who have been changed by Jesus to live how Jesus calls us to live. And so what we do every week is we turn to uh, God's word. Bible and usually what we do is we go through a whole book of the Bible just kind of verse by verse and uh, we look to God's word to see what does it tell us about who God is and then how we're called to live as a response and so that is what we are doing this morning uh, so when we gather we like to sing God's word and pray God's word and preach God's word and encourage each other with God's Word. That's what it's all about. So that's what we're doing this morning. And our passage this morning actually uh, talks to us about uh, the gifts that God has given the church and how they're supposed to function in the body of Christ. And so what we are doing this morning is somewhat of a family meeting uh, to talk about what God's Word says about how we're supposed to relate to each other as a church. So I'm going to read the passage and then we'll pray and we'll talk about it. So please uh, look with me in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of the church, God. And we thank you for um, just the ways that we are able to minister to each other, to encourage each other, to spur one another on, to build each other up. And that's all because of Jesus. Jesus. We cannot be the church if we have not first been utterly changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for Jesus. We pray that he is glorified in all things this morning. He must increase. We must Decrease. This is not about us. It's not about even Rock Prairie Church. This is about Jesus Christ and his name and his renown. And so as we look to this passage this morning, God, I pray that you would help us see how you're calling us to live and relate and minister to one another as the local body of Christ. Rock Prairie Church. Uh, No matter where we gather, that's who we are. Because it's not the building. It's the people. It's the body of Christ. So we pray that you would encourage us this morning. Lord, we love you. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, if you weren't with us, just as a reminder, we talked about membership in the body of Christ, in the church body. And we welcomed in 10 new members to our church, and we talked about how church membership is different than like a Costco membership, or I didn't give any love to Sam's Club. I know there's Sam's Club people in our church, or a Sam's Club membership, uh, but it's very different. We saw the first part of Ephesians 4, we looked at verses really keyed on 1 to 3, we saw that church members are simply a group of people who are united around what Jesus has done, and then have committed their Lives to one another. So that membership ceremony that we had that we talked about, the, the closest thing that it is is kind of like um, a wedding ceremony in that we are committing ourselves and our lives to one another. That's very different than a Costco membership. Costco memberships, Costco members are just committing themselves uh, to like buy a five-gallon bucket of barbecue sauce for $19.99 or whatever. Like it's very, it's not about just I'm a church member because of the benefits that it gets me it's truly really, I am I am wedding my life for lack of a better word to another to this group of people this body of believers who gather together who commit to gathering together regularly to pray together to sing worship songs together to encourage one another and to teach and preach God's word that is what church membership And so this morning as we continue the conversation in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to talk specifically about the leadership of the church and what the leadership is called to do. So we're going to talk about the who, the what, the why, and the how of church leadership. Who they are, what they do, why they do it, and then how the church grows when everything is working together so that's where we're going this morning so who who are the church leaders who are the people that god has given the church for this we'll look at verse 11. he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers so these are the offices that uh, paul says that god gave the church and it's a little bit right off the bat where it's a little bit uh there's different schools of thought on what exactly this means the best i can tell uh, we have these uh these different offices so the apostles when he talks about the apostles he's referring specifically to jesus's disciples and the people who were alive uh, at jesus's time who brought literally br- birthed the church who brought the church into existence and then the prophets from the best that i can gather from studying this week the prophets refers specifically to the people who were writing the New Testament scripture. So the, the New Testament that you hold in your hand. Those are the prophets. These are, the, again, the gift that God has given the church uh, in the writing of Scripture, and so obviously Jesus' disciples are no longer with us, and Scripture has been written already, the canon is closed, and so those offices, as those, they are gifts to the church, but they're not ongoing offices, does that make sense, so these first two, the apostles and the prophets, these are not ongoing offices in the church, but the next ones are Right? He says the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers. And to make things even more complicated, there's different ways to understand this, uh, different schools of thought of what that means, shepherds and teachers. And uh, again, to the best of what I could figure out this week, that the idea of shepherds and teachers is actually referring to one office. So uh, it's like shepherd teachers is the best way to understand that. So really what we're talking about are two things we're talking about the evangelists and the quote unquote shepherd teachers people who both shepherd the body and teach them which is what we refer to as pastors today is how we understand it God has given these people to the church. Like I said, the apostles were the ones who literally began the church after Jesus ascended. The prophets received the illumination from the Spirit uh, as they uh, wrote uh, what is God's word. And then the evangelists are those who are gifted to go out and tell people about Jesus and bring people into the church. And the shepherd teachers are the ones who are discipling the people in the church. So I like how Kent Hughes said it in one of the commentaries that I read uh, this week. He said the, um, where is it, he said the evangelists are like the obstetricians of the church and the shepherd teachers are like the pediatricians of the church. So the evangelists are the ones who are bringing new believers into the body and the shepherd teachers are the ones who help make sure the church grows and is healthy. And we need all of these people we need the the apostles and the prophets and the prophets and we need evangelists and pastors I know um, many of you in this body in this room right now are gifted evangelists Um, that God has given you this gift of evangelism and that is so important to the ongoing health of the body of Christ and you know you're gifted in evangelism if you find yourself getting frustrated of why aren't all these other people sharing your, their faith? It's not that hard, right? If that's you, you're probably a gifted evangelist. And uh, we need all of these functions. So these are gifts that God has given the church. But, so that's who they are. But why has God given these people? And this is where it starts to get really interesting because the answer is probably different than you might expect. Why has God given, or excuse me, what, it's messed it up, it's not why, it's what. Why is coming later. What is their job? What is the role of these evangelists and shepherd teachers? What are they supposed to do? And the answer is different than you might expect. There's definitely a lot of confusion out there about what a pastor's job is. If I had a dollar for every time I told somebody I was a pastor and they said, well, it must be nice to only work one day a week, right? I mean, that's, that's not creative at this point. I'm sorry. I just have to say it. I'd be a rich man if I had a dollar every time I heard that. Uh, but there's a lot of confusion about what a pastor's job, like what is a pastor supposed to do? What are evangelists supposed to do? Look at what verse 12 says. It says, God gave these leaders to do all of the ministry for the church. Is that what it says? I'm just, are you guys awake this morning on Church on the Farm? Is that what it says? No. It says God gave these offices to do what? Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Church, this is absolutely key. The job of the leaders of the church is not to do all of the ministry, it is to equip the saints. For the work of ministry. Equip the saints for the So what's a saint? A saint. A saint is someone who's been set apart for God's special purposes. So who are the saints in the church? The extra holy people, right? The real standouts in their faith, right? No. It's all of us. The New Testament makes it clear. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus... Is called a saint because you, if you're a follower of Jesus, by definition, that means you've been covered by his blood. You've been declared righteous, and now you have been set apart for the work that he wants you to do. And the job of the leaders of the church is to help those people who have been set apart by God to grow in their ability to minister to those around them. So it's not only the evangelist's job to evangelize. And uh, this is uh, its maybe a little bit of a bummer, right? Like, oh, I haven't been gifted with the gift of evangelism. But shoo, those guys can share their faith. That's not what the evangelist's job is to do. Now, certainly they will be evangelizing. But the job of the evangelist is to equip the saints to evangelize for the work of ministry. It's not only the pastor's job to teach and minister to the body. It's the pastor's job to equip the saints to teach and minister and serve one another. Imagine a football team that's all, it's game day, right? It's almost football season. Imagine a football team that's uh, getting ready to take the field and then none of them, they all decide, well, we're just going to stay on the sideline. That's, that's why I have a coach, right, to go out there and, and do, every, do, do the playing of football. It doesn't make sense does it imagine an army right that refuses to go to the battlefield because well that's what we have our generals for right it doesn't make sense i was talking to a pastor mentor of mine this week and he told me this he said mike i think that most pastors have not even scratched the surface of the horsepower that is under the hood of the local church if we could only tap into the spiritual gifts that God has given her and I don't know about you like that fires me up church a church that just relies on the pastor to do the ministry or the ones who are gifted to share their faith to do all the evangelism is like owning a Lamborghini and refusing to take it out of first gear right you can make a lot of noise in first gear <laughs> you can maybe attract some people to come and look at it but uh, man it's, she's not doing what she was built to do Uh, you're not tapping into what is there. And I don't know about you, but like, I want to take this baby out for a spin, huh? I mean, I want to see what she's got. Like, let's go. Man, I say this all the time. I love our church. I was just talking to someone this morning and didn't know I was going to be talking about this, but this person was talking to me about how the church has just ministered to her in a time of need in extraordinary ways beyond what she could have even uh, imagine so i would say our church in many ways excels in this area of ministering to one another but man let's do that more and more church like let's dream a little bit what kind of power do you think we could unleash from under the hood if every member of our church thought of themselves if every single one of you thought of yourselves as a minister <laughs> of the gospel like that's that's who you are that's what you do what do you do? I'm a minister, and I also farm. <laughs> I'm a minister of the gospel, and I work in accounting. I'm, an, I'm a minister of the love of Jesus, and I work in construction, or teach, or stay home with my kids, or like whatever you do. Like, What if we all thought of ourselves as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, first and foremost? Man, what would the Lord do with our church there? You see how that mindset can change everything let me say I know your pastors pretty well and uh, this is what we want more than anything to equip our body through preaching teaching and shepherding to be able to perform the work of ministry that God has called them to so let me just say it's so from my end as a pastor from our end as pastors this isn't like just okay good now we don't have to do the ministry like you guys can all do that like go back to our football analogy A P- football coach puts in a lot of hard hours to make sure that the team's ready to make sure that they have the game plan to make sure that they're working with every single person so that they can be exactly what they need to be when the time comes but that is our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and man a pastor that isn't interested in doing those things just shouldn't be in ministry because that is our job that's what we're called To do and when it's working right the church isn't a body of people who just pay the pastor to do all the ministry a healthy church looks like a body of believers who all see themselves as saints first and foremost covered by the blood of Jesus you wake up in the morning I am a saint I'm a child of God God what do you have me do what ministry are you calling me to today being spurred to grow on in that ministry by their leaders amen this is this is a key verse for me like this would have been like one of the key verses that i would have quoted in a job interview when i first came here like this is this is it this is what the church is all about and this is what pastors are called to do to equip the saints for the work of ministry but why (laughs) why that's the next question i jumped to it too early now we're at why why does god give the church these offices, look, look at verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The short answer, why has God given these offices to equip the church? equip the saints for the work of ministry the short answer is very simply so that we all grow up (laughs) that we grow up now when we're in Guatemala one of the striking things that we're going to experience like I said earlier is just the uh, just the poverty like we're just going to see some real poverty and um, there's a lot of people who are malnourished Uh, One of the stories we heard last year was of a family, I think it was a family of four, and on a good day, the food that they would get was one egg that they would split four ways, and that would be what they would eat. And um, that's one of the amazing things about the schools that we're working with is they give a, a hearty meal every day to these kids. But one of the things we'll see is because of the malnourishment is sometimes in really bad cases is, is kids that with stunted growth, like somebody who might look like a three-year-old and they're actually eight years old kind of thing. And um, it's, it's heartbreaking to see. And what Paul is talking about here is kind of a similarly heartbreaking thing. And that is that a malnourished church will have stunted growth as well. A malnourished church will have stunted growth as well. And I fear that there's many churches today that think they're growing up, but really they're uh, spiritual children. And what Paul is doing here is he's contrasting two images. He's contrasting the image of a mature man and of a or a mature person and uh, and a child. And the mature man, a mature person, will be able to withstand false teaching. And an immature believer is going to get tossed around like a child in the ocean. And so uh, how do you get there is the question. How do you grow up in your faith? How do you move beyond that spiritual infancy and grow into a mature disciple? Well, it's, there's no shortcuts. <laughs> it's by putting the work in. Is what it is if you want to have the body of a bodybuilder and trust me I would know this if you want to have the body don't (laughs) laugh at that come on If you want to have the body of a bodybuilder, you're going to need to eat a lot of protein and lift a lot of weights And uh, if you want to have the mind of a mature disciple, you're going to need to know a whole lot of your Bible And the way to do that is through the hard work of studying and memorizing and meditating day and night on God's word and there's just no way we're going to survive otherwise you can't get by on someone else's knowledge of God's word like you need to know it we need to be a church full of hungry disciples we don't need to be a church full of people who know everything right now I don't care about that what I want is us to be a hungry church That wants to grow. That says, I'm here and I don't want to stay here. And I don't know how far I can go, but I just know I want to grow. I don't want to be tossed around to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Church, this is so important. Like right now in this moment, think about it. Think about, like back then when Paul wrote this, how would false teaching have spread? It would have been like a guy coming into a community and teaching things that sound good, but they're really, maybe even kind of sound like what God says, but really contrary to God's word. And then that would kind of spread by word of mouth. And, and, and if people believed it, it could be detrimental to the church. And that's how it spread back then. Think about how many more avenues of false teaching exist today, right? I don't even want to know what some of these people on TikTok or YouTube or whatever or TV, I mean, you name it, like, you can just be inundated by it. It doesn't have to be somebody, like, coming to, like, visit. (laughs) Just, like, right there. It's there. And if we don't know what God's Word says, if we don't know what we're looking for, we're going to get tossed around. It's like that old saying of how you can... uh, know what a counterfeit bill looks like is by studying the original and if we aren't just at least hungry to grow in God's word again I'm not talking about like we're just like all finished products right now absolutely not but where you're at right now I promise you you can you can grow and you can take another step and another step another step and this is i'd be remiss if i didn't just like all those things we just announced like the, the bible studies that we're doing here it's not just because well we're a church we should probably have some bible studies right what, like what is what do churches do oh yeah bible studies uh small groups yeah we should probably do those things too no this is intentional we want you to be in relationship with other people it's not something you need to do on your own either in relationship with other people, studying God's word together. So men's studies, women's studies, life groups, uh, our discipleship classes that we offer, every, those two-month rotations, like wh- whatever it is, we just want, like as we talk as leadership, we just want there to be kind of no excuses for, for not having opportunities to grow. Like, man, when I get to the end of my time on earth and my ministry, and uh, I just don't want the Lord to say, like, man, your church had people who wanted to grow but uh, they just didn't know how. Like, we want to have opportunities to grow in discipleship so that we can grow up and no longer be tossed to and fro. And so, uh, again, this is not something where um, if you think, I uh, just will never get there, so I'm just so far. Sometimes you go to a Bible study, it's like, oh man, all these other people know way more than I do. This is not a place for me. First of all, they're mostly faking it. They don't really know more than you do. And uh, boy, the amount of times that I, never mind, I'm not going to go there. This, uh, but secondly, um, maybe if they're not faking it, maybe they really do. That's the person you've got to get to know because they haven't always been there. So how'd you get there? Like how did, you, how did you get to where you are and how do I get to where you are? That's the person you should have pouring into you. And you say, will you please disciple me? Like, help me get to the place where you are. And they'll probably say something like, well, I'm not where I want to be yet, but, but I'm happy to walk alongside you. And that church is what the church is all about. Amen? Amen. So why does this, do, why, uh, why do we do these things so that we grow up? How, finally, as we close, how? How are we supposed to do these things? Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the way to the whole church growing is by everybody doing their part in love. Doing their part in love. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow So that it builds itself up in love. And so the beauty is, again, you can be who God made you to be. God has gifted you. You might not realize that. We often talk with, not often, we always talk with the new members in the new membership class about spiritual gifts. And oftentimes when I'm talking to people about spiritual gifts, uh, the the response is, "I, I don't think I have any. But God has promised in his word that he's given every believer a spiritual gift. And uh, I just think, I mean, think about it, Christmas time, you're, you're, uh, you're with all your siblings, and your father has passed out presents, and they all opened their, their gifts on Christmas, and yours is just an empty box. Like, that wouldn't happen, right? Of course not. Why would God do that to you with spiritual gifts? He hasn't. He has gifted you. He has gifted each person. And God has gifted you for a reason, which is to help the church grow. And not only that, we actually need you to help the church grow. I don't mean just grow numerically. I mean grow in our health. I mean grow in our spiritual wisdom and discernment, the things that we were just talking about and growing up. And the church needs you to help the church grow. The metaphor that Paul is using here for the church is a body, right? Like a human body. Do you know how many parts make up the body? A lot. That's the, the technical term. It's a lot. And they each have their own role. And when one part isn't working, it affects the whole thing. So you think about, like, oh, I don't really have any spiritual gifts. That just couldn't be further from the truth. So if you don't know your spiritual gifting, we have some resources for you to figure that out, and I'd love just to talk to you about that, and we can get those things in your hand, and you can start to explore what are the ways that God has gifted me. And also what's cool about spiritual gifts is they're actually things that you grow into, right? Part of the reason we think that maybe you don't have spiritual gifts it's because, well, I just don't see it right now. But the truth is... These are things that we grow into. And as we grow in maturity, as we grow in our walk with the Lord, and as we practice using our gifts, it's like a muscle. You get stronger and stronger the more that you use it. And so we want to help you figure out what your gifting is because we are all ministers of the gospel. And the role of the leaders of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And everyone has a role to play. And there's so much horsepower under this hood of the body that we call the local church. And when we all do what God has called and gifted us to do and do it in love, right, speaking the truth in love, the body grows itself up in love. When all these things are saturated in love for God and love for one another, that's when we are able to grow up every way into Jesus, who is the head. One thing that I've challenged the Guatemala team with is that God wants to do more through you on this trip than you think is even possible to do right now. And there are things that I promise you, as, there are things that uh, some people on the team, as we think about them, we're terrified to even think about. And then those things are going to happen. They're going to step out and do those things and then come back, and those things won't be as scary now because they've done it before. But you know what? Is that something that only happens in another country, church? <laughs> no. No. Do you need to go overseas before God can like nudge you to step out of your comfort zone and minister to other people do you y'all still with me do you need to go overseas for God to use you and step out of your comfort zone no of course not he wants to do that right here right now with each one of you, and that's my prayer for us, for all of us, for this week, I'm going to be praying that for our church, that we would be, in, and I encourage you to pray this way as well, that you, we would be intentionally praying for and looking for those moments when God wants to use you to minister to something else. What if we just all prayed that this week, and we all did one thing that maybe we wouldn't have done before? Man, how much could the Lord use us? So that's what I'm going to encourage you to pray this week as well and if that happens let us know let me know we want to celebrate what God is doing with you so who's excited to see what this baby can do in sixth gear huh I know I am so let's continue to seek the Lord and his word and grow in discipleship so we aren't tossed around in every direction and above all in everything we do we'll do it in love because he first loved us amen Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this body. We are so grateful to be together this morning. And God, I am just humbled to think about the many ways that this body is already ministering to one another, reaching out to their neighbors, sharing their faith, stepping out in faith, praying for coworkers, and all these things, Lord, that uh, you are doing already. And so we just ask, God, that you would do it more and more. That you would increase our ministry, Lord. That us as leaders of the church would see our role and continue in and continuing our role to equip the saints for the work of ministry that you have for all of us as we teach God's word and preach God's word and shepherd the body. And ultimately, God, we want all this to be for your glory. You have given us all things in Christ. There is nothing that we lack when we have Jesus. So may our lives be a reflection of the overflow of all that you have given to us, God. We love you. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond in worship.